Welcome to the Feel Better, Be Better show. Today, Kate and Nevada will answer your questions and introduce new topics designed to help feel better and be better. These are raw conversations, but they will make a difference. All right. Well, the second part, we talk about perspective and we take a step further into sports specifically. Which is a touch on it. Touch on it. That's right. We did not get very far. If we got into a few perspectives in the world of sport when there are 50 million that we could have talked about today. So we'll probably be on this one for a little bit. But yeah, then what wasn't shown is I started falling asleep while I was talking. Yeah, we had to cut that part out. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, enjoy. Hopefully, you get something out of it and maybe a little bit of what all the people around you on a specifically softball field are kind of thinking about. Got anything else? Yeah, no, I'm definitely shifting gears here. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go into another whole other thing. Okay. Um, so we're on perspective. I'm going to pull it over into the sports, where I think is probably one of the hardest ones. Mm-hmm. So with that perspective in sports, what I'm talking about is you have the coach's perspective on what they're doing, telling the, the players, what they're trying to coach, what they're trying to build, what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the coach's perspective with the parents and that all the situations involved with that where you're taking where you're trying to communicate with them to help their precious kid and I mean that I'm sorry every kid is precious to the parent may not be precious to everybody else but they're definitely precious to that parent you have the coaching perspective from the umpire and in all those situations you have a completely different perspective from all the other way and I mean that from the umpire to the player, the umpire to the coaches, the umpire to the parents. You have the parents to the umpire, the parents to the coaches, parents to the players. It's a lot of perspectives. You have the players from there to there and all over. There's a lot of different perspectives. A lot of different things to step in the shoes on. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things do you do to try to put yourself in different people's perspectives to be able to accurately communicate and get your points across? Besides just, you know, angrily yelling at your phone. Do do that, that one's not allowed. <laughs> do you see? We all do that. Never do that. Um, I mean, I think umpires is a good one to start in just because it can be easy to get really frustrated with. You're just trying to play into my specialty. I know. Things not necessarily uh, going your way. And, like, this is why I let you go talk to umpires because you're really <laughs> good at this. But, like, going to them and realizing, one, umpires make mistakes, too. Two, they've got to see things from their point of view and what's going on from their side. And they're not necessarily going to see it how I see it. And there are people on the field, but you go. You're really good with this one. Well, the secret to umpires is really easy. It's, you just tell them a knock knock joke. Mm. It works every time. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. No. It really loosens them up before you get into the yeah, they're already more important Yeah, it doesn't even matter. <clears throat> no. I, you see me. <laughs> I just I can't remember exactly which one it was, but where I literally like got the umpire to say that he totally made the wrong call, and you're just like, how how did you do that? And it was like, well, if you ever try to do that line where, like you just said, where umpires make mistakes sometimes, you automatically put them on the defensive. Mm-hmm. So, I on that particular person in that particular thing, I was like, hey man. Over from over there, it looked like it was this, this, and this. Did it like do this or something or whatever? So I basically gave them the ability to say that that's what it looked like from there. But I also, if you think about it, I also told them how much I disagreed with them. Mm-hmm. But what it did is it was able to spark an actual conversation. And then 
but without a whole lot of defensiveness. Because mm -hmm. you're almost saying, hey, I can totally see from this perspective that you did this. And there's perspective again. And that kind of loosens them up. It's kind of one of those things where you're like, I'm automatically saying, hey, I could be wrong. I just want to know your point of view. Yeah, I'm trying to understand from you why you made that call. Yeah. I thought the rule was this. What did you see that made you feel like mm -hmm. that call was the right call? And I will say you're really good 99% of the time, but I almost saw you get kicked out once, so. <laughs> Sorry, die laughing because we've, we've laughed about that one for a lot. We've joked about that one for a lot, and we should because it was ridiculous. <laughs> but let's face it, I was definitely making a point when I did that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, in a way it was justified. He should have handled it a lot better. But at the same point, the answer he gave me on that situation was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So it, it needed to be called out really badly because we were getting really hammered in calls. And he did a very bad thing at that one. Yeah. He really, well, what's funny, really shouldn't, you showing up a, an 11 year old girl in a rec ball league, it was just ridiculous. I what's mean, funny is I went and talked to the home play umpire the play, the half inning before. Yep exactly how you've ta taught me how to do like all that stuff and i went up to her because it was a pass ball and the girl on deck picked it up and kicked it with her foot i think and the girl from third scored and i just went up to her and be like hey i thought the rule was if you know they weren't allowed to touch the ball and it looked like she kicked it to me and she's like oh my gosh my bad like i couldn't see it with the sun and she confirmed with the guy in the field that she did touch it so they made her go back to third and i'm like that's fine you know normally someone should be out but for the sake of learning like I'm I'm like I'm good with that call like that's fine thank you for fixing that and then he in the field had to make a big production about our player leaving early and so it was a whole thing whole thing yeah about what we're teaching and giving people a little leeway on say, and, we're gonna go ahead and, and do the full story so I was up catching so I happened to I catch, just think it's a good catch them oh yeah it's great and I happened to I was there and I happened to ask, I'm like hey I'm just real quick you know I'm just curious we warned the one girl, which we recommended. So, I mean, mm -hmm. we're okay with the warning and what you guys did there. With yeah, because the they're learning. They touched the foul ball. We're, we're good with that. I get that. Why didn't we give a warning to the girl at second base that left early? Fair question. And the answer back was the fact that, that they felt that was a... That that was a less that was a more common rule known, so that that's why they called her out immediately. That's a rule every player should know. Pretty much, yeah. That was the words. And I... And nobody had left early the game at all up to that point. So it's not like there would had been a warning given somewhere else. Exactly. And so, obviously, we were quite upset because we know the girl. We severely doubt that she left early. Mm -hmm. um, I can barely get her to leave on time. Exactly. Um, and so I, I was at least smart enough not to make a comment right there because that's kind of in... It's kind of leaving every rule in the book up, sub, up, up to his subjectivity of whether he's going to enforce or warn, which doesn't really do a whole lot of good for anybody. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm, obviously we're talking about softball here, so are we doing three outs or four or two? I mean, is it a rule that everybody knows or is it a rule that nobody knows? I don't know. At this point, I don't know what you think other people know. Mm -hmm. And so... As we were coming back, you all were obviously upset, and so was I, and you asked me what he said, and I said it extremely loud that basically I have no idea which rules we're enforcing or not enforcing, which was a very rude thing to say, but I also think it was very justified that it needed to be said. So, yeah, that one was one where I was almost, in a way, asking for the confrontation. Mm -hmm. 
because he already tried to defend himself on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, on an umpire well, he perspective, out, he came out he really was also hot, really bad. unwilling yeah. to even have the conversation with you. He, they, you know, there's sometimes where you're gonna meet an umpire that they've got that chip on their shoulder that they have to prove they're right about every call that they make and defend themselves. And so you can't even come up and have that conversation with them. And it goes back to people willing to meet you and have a conversation or not. If you address them in the right way and try to figure out why they might have called that and, you know, let your disagreement be known but in a respectful manner, most umpires will respect that and have that conversation with you. But there's some that won't, and that's okay that it doesn't go well. Well, for the sake of this whole conversation, we've known that umpire. He's been bad for a yes. long time. There is a reason why, after 30 years, he's still umpiring 12-year-old rec ball leagues. Yeah. I mean, there is a reason why. He is not a good umpire. No offense to him. I, I've known the guy for years. He probably, I don't know if he knows me or not. I don't really care. But I've seen him be really bad for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew I wasn't going to get a real good answer. I kind of knew I wasn't going to get a real good conversation or a situation coming from that. So I kind of knew it was going to be a little ugly. The only thing that made me the most mad about that was when he did it where he said he was going to kick me out because I wasn't the head coach, which was funny because I wasn't acting like the head coach because I really wasn't the head coach. So you put me down as the head coach so that I'd have to talk, so I'd be able to talk to the umpire. So I technically was the head coach, even though I wasn't really the head coach. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a real interesting scenario <laughs> there. But anyway, <laughs> he said only the head coach could talk to him. I go, that's funny because I am. And then he just he kind of just went way after that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when he... All right. I would I, sh- I should be kicked out of the game because I'm not allowed. Only the head coaches are allowed to co- talk to him. So he, he he did tell me to leave, didn't he? Because of that, I think he said. No, it. he said if. Uh, no, he did. He said, co- he said, coach, you need to, you're expelled or you're basically kicked out of the game because only the head coach can talk to me. And I that's when I said I'm like I am the head coach. Now at that point, that's the one that made me mad. Mm-hmm. At. At that point, I should have demanded to talk to the director of the league, the of the umpires. That's the one that I, that really made me mad because mm-hmm. I think our point would have been made at that point. Well, and he wasn't there because I did address it with him after the fact and didn't get anywhere. But I did address it with him after the fact, but he was not at the ballpark. Well, I understand, but I mean, if I would have just I, I immediately popped back off that I was the head coach trying to quell it so we could go on and play. What I should have done is said, "Hmm, interesting." I understand that rule. I would like to talk to the person in charge of everything out here. And then if you if, if that's the case, well, I'll be more than happy to leave. Which, if you think about that, back to the umpire thing, he him exactly what he said he was going to do. You can't back down from it because you've already established that he's going to do that. So the only thing I can do is get me in a, in a situation where I can prove my, situ- my case. Probably would have got us a little bit more leniency and maybe a little more professionalism out of that umpire but i didn't quite think about his perspective where he was going to take over and showboat which i should have known because he did it to a 12 year old girl yeah so i messed up on that one so and on my perspective on my perspective of usually dealing with people and, and umpires i probably didn't quite think through that one as well as i should have yeah all right let's go to players Sure. Go ahead. I'll let you start this one. I mean, I've never met a player, including myself, that ever thought they weren't doing enough. It's an interesting perspective. 
Um, and I say that at a certain age, because when you get to a certain age, probably around 2021-ish, 20, where you kind of realize that you didn't put in near the effort as the other people did. Mm -hmm. There is always another person doing more. Yeah. Or like, I look back and I remember like, I knew I loved softball more than basketball, but I couldn't necessarily necessarily tell you like why. Like I was like, you know, I'm better at it. And I'm naturally, you know, gravitate towards that. But I also naturally wanted to go put hours of practice into it. I didn't do that with basketball. We had a goal outside my house and I never really wanted to go work on shooting and stuff because I didn't like it because I wasn't good at it and I never got better at it. And so, I mean, that was kind of on me because I didn't practice it. Yep. And looking back when I was older, I could see like, okay, that's why I could have been better at basketball. I just didn't, I wasn't driven enough to practice it. And that's okay because I'd rather do softball, but that's more the reason I wasn't better. <laughs> yes. I mean, there are some physical traits and DNA and stuff like that that can put you into a better chance at certain things. But ultimately, it is the repetitions and the practice that you put in about anything and, and a skill. Mm -hmm. um, you can you can do repetitions and practice and do all the right stuff, but you're probably not going to run as fast as Usain Bolt. Yeah. And you're probably going to need a little bit of genetic help there. But you can definitely put yourself to be faster. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, there's certain things you can change there's certain things you can't change. But... On a player perspective, you have to think on a coach or a parent or even an umpire in that case where they won't, but that's what the kid feels. The kid is basically always thinking that they are going above and beyond. You may feel they're doing the borderline bottom rung, least common denominator just to get through the thing. Probably truthful. They think they're going above and beyond. Also, probably the best perspective we can talk about this all we want is if you're trying to correct something, you know, and we'll leave it in softball, the way they swing, the way they hold the bat, the way they throw, any of that kind of stuff, in a way, all they're hearing is about everything they're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's why when we have new players come in, there's some that are receptive to little change, but we always go little kind of with stuff because you get a feel for like, okay, this kid's open to having more stuff shown to him because we're coming from a place of trying to help them. But there's a couple of girls that we've had that's like, okay, no, they need to get used to us first before we start changing a bunch of stuff because everything I say is taken as personal. Yep. It's taken as, I'm not good enough. You don't think I can do it. And that's not it at all. But you, they can't, until you prove that you have the intentions of helping them get better, they don't see it that way. Well, I mean, you've heard some of my conversations where I have literally shown, I've had the player, I'm like, okay, let's do this, and we do this. Okay, now you can go back to the way you were. Didn't you hit the ball better that way? Didn't you hit it farther? Did you do whatever? Better? Doesn't it feel better? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, then why don't we do that every time? I don't want to. So, I mean, what do you do with that? I proved to you that it was better. Don't care. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Because... The only thing the kid feels is whatever you're telling them is that they were doing it wrong. That they're wrong. Yeah. Not even that they were doing it wrong, that they are wrong. Yeah. Yep. And so you got to find a way to bust through that. Yeah. And sometimes as hard as it is for a coach because you want everyone to get better and you want people to see that you're skilled in what you're doing, 
sometimes it's letting them fail long enough at what they're doing wrong and seeing other people succeed with the changes that you're making that they finally want to change something. We've had several girls we've had to do that with. Sorry, I'm just, so. I'm just gonna laugh because we literally have an entire list of like, they'll eventually come and ask what's going on. Yeah. And it's sad to kind of get that way and people can be like, no, you gotta go out and find a way to meet them. If they're not ready, it won't work. That no. old saying of when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I mean, there's some great wisdom in that. And the fact that you probably have people around you all the time that would have been great mentors and be able to tell you the whole thing, but you were not ready to hear what they were willing to tell you. Mm-hmm. And that is true on a player perspective as well. Yeah. And with that, you don't just put up that wall and never help them. You have to be looking for the little cues that they're starting to get ready to maybe trust you for like a little bit of stuff and coming around to it. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard line to walk. That's a hard line to see. Yeah. And now the other thing on the player perspective, well, this will come out and you'll definitely see it as a coach or as a parent all the time. Here's the catcher right here. Here comes the ball. Here comes the catch right down the middle of the plate. The umpire says out for obvious reasons. And you get to see the kid throw the bat down, raise their head in disgust and be like, it wasn't a strike, you know, or whatever as they're walking off. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he called that. It was the umpire. Do you want to go on that? I mean... It just kills me because one, there's so many times I have to have that conversation with those girls of, it looks bad. If I was an umpire and you did that, I would call anything close on you a strike because you pissed me off. Yep. And Showed two, yeah. And two, if you've got two strikes, you don't leave it in there up to them to call it. If you can get a bat on it, get a freaking bat on it. I don't care if it was a strike or not. Can you hit it? Then hit it. I, or hit it earlier in the count. Why'd you let two go by and then wait for that one? Like, well, and you've heard me. My only thing is I'm like, I never let the umpire be the one to get me out. Nope. Just never. never. That, I mean, that's why I, I knew so many girls that they did not want to hit the first pitch. And the first pitch is usually the best pitch you see. Mm, love the first pitch. Me too. And so I was like, if she puts that first pitch in there, I'm going to hit it. Because I'm not going to wait for them to make the calls on me. I'm not going to give it to them. I'm not going to wait and let the pitcher get up on me and they get to throw me junk pitches. I'm going to hit the good pitch. Mm-hmm. And so I think... That's a perspective shift you have to help your players make. Like, I'm looking for something good early. If I have to get down to the point where I have two strikes, I have to battle everything close. And there might be a time that, yeah, it's a couple inches off the plate and it was a, it was a bad pitch and I let it go by and I had a good eye and they called a strike. I might strike out that way. And you just want to be like, all right, next at bat, hopefully I get something early and let it go because you have other at bats. And it sucks, but that's just part of the game. You can't let it ruin your fielding your next at bats how you view the rest of the day and some girls let it just completely destroy them yeah i mean and it destroys the relationship with the umpire oh huge they, they and it hurts for your and here's the worst thing that they don't know it hurts your friends it hurts your teammates because they're they're going to associate your attitude with the next person walking up well and your own parents and the parents from other teams the and the coaches from other teams all of a sudden you get the reputation of having the girls that talk back to the umpires yep and that never is a good reputation to have. Now, I don't think we've actually talked about this, so this should be kind of fun. <clears throat> Here's my perspective when I'm walking up the plate and hitting. Mm-hmm. And I can take this into about any sport. When I'm walking up, I have a pitch that I can knock really hard about anywhere on the field. I'll be more than happy to share with anybody if they would like to know. It's pretty much between the knees and the hips. You throw anything between that and that area, inside, outside, don't care, I will crush it. It will be a hard hit somewhere. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. So when I'm walking up to the plate, 
that's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. You throw a ball there, I'm going to hit the crap out of that ball. Yeah, but you're ready for it. But that's that's what I want. I want you to throw it there. If you don't, I'll let it go. Ball comes in around the belly button or something like that, and he calls it a strike. So what? I still had two more. Mm-hmm. Right? Next one. Now, all of a sudden, I'm looking for anything between eh, the kneecap, you know, the bottom part of the kneecap, to about belly button. I now have expanded it. So it's gotten a little bit bigger. Why? Because I have a strike on me. Mm-hmm. So if they throw it in that range, in that scenario, I'm going to swing and hit it. Mm-hmm. And if they do, I will. Boom, next pitch comes in, say it's about chest high, and he calls a strike. Now I got two. There's some balls that probably happened in here, too, that I didn't swing at. Well, guess what? Now my strike zone is literally mid-shin to about chin. Anything within that area, I'm probably going to swing at. Yeah, probably chalk line to chalk line. Pretty much, yeah. I'm sorry. We, I told you. I mean, inside, outside, I don't really care. I'm pretty good on both sides of the plate because I'll just pull the outside pitch. And uh, <laughs> I don't. Not, not all. I don't, but yeah. Um, anyway, um, but I just think the perspective is interesting. Yeah. When I had, I know we've seen so many people, I won't swing until I get a strike on them. Mine is like, oh no, you put it in my bread basket, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it. Yeah. You give me that shot in basketball, I'm gonna I'm gonna sink it. You know, I mean it, <laughs> and great. People are gonna be like, oh yeah, you're so cocky, you never misses. Oh no, I can totally miss on that one. But if I'm gonna miss, I wanna miss on that one. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, but that's the mentality you have to take to it. And as far as the the kids that are, you know, oh it wasn't a strike or whatever, I do not ever want to put it in the hands of that person. No. Well I think Honestly, I think too many players worry about assessing whether the ball's a strike or a ball coming in. Okay. And it doesn't matter. Can you hit it? Because that's what matters if you can hit it. Because just like you, when I was going up, you know, first strike that I was looking for was anything that looked good to me. I would tell myself, okay, if this pitch looks good, I'm going to hit it. It's not, if this pitch is a strike, I'm going to hit it. It's like, if this pitch looks good to me, I'm going to hit it. It might be a little low. It might be a little outside. If I can hit it and I like it coming in, I'm going to hit it. And maybe I swing at a bad pitch. That happens. But it makes me not frustrated because it looked good to me coming in. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't look good and they call it a strike, I'm like, didn't look good to me. Same as you. It doesn't stress me out because it's not like, oh God, it was a strike and I missed it. Now I got to worry about, or I didn't think that was a strike. Now it's like, okay, I'm moving on to the next pitch. Mm-hmm. We worry so much about, is this a strike coming in? Is it a ball? Again, back to, am I messing up by swinging at a pitch that's not a strike? Don't care. I mean, if something's really way out of the zone, we're like, okay, be a little more selective. But never will I be like, swing at a strike only. Let's make sure we get that straight. You swing at a ball that you literally cannot hit. You can't reach it. It's that bad of a pitch. It bounces in front of the plate. It's so far outside, you can never, ever go to it. And they swing at it. And we're all for just like, you know, you're going to do something, go for it. Problem is, they're not making a decision. The decision was already made. They were going to swing. And that's not what we're up there teaching. So the argument isn't what everybody will say is like, oh, don't swing at that bad pitch. No, the argument is, no, you need to make sure that you're ready every pitch, but you don't put yourself in a bad position by swinging at a bad ball. Yeah. You have to be ready to hit it, and as it's coming in, if it looks bad, you don't swing. Well, but, but you're in the mentality, I'm going to hit this pitch until you're not going to hit this pitch. Yeah, I, there was one guy I knew that was a really good hitter, a slow-pitched softball, and it got in his head, and he was worried that he wasn't very good. You could tell that he was getting bad or whatever. His swing was off, and it got into his head, and he was starting to swing about everything. 
And of course, they've gotten so much worse because he's swinging all these balls. He's bad. They scenario. can't hit him good from there. Yeah, and I just I remember I told him I go, you know what happens when you swing at bad pitches? And then he goes, what? And I go, you make bad hits. And he kind of looks at me like, and what? And I'm like, if you keep swinging this stuff that's over your head, you're going to continue to pop up to the to the shortstop. And he just kind of looked at me, whoa, I'm like pick a pitch that you want to hit. It was funny because they actually turned it around on that one. But he was he was to the point where he was receptive at that point. Up until that point, he wasn't at all. Mm-hmm. You can't just, like, throw that out whenever you want to be. And, like, ooh, trump guard. I mean, that ain't going to work. you got to make sure they're in the right spot. Mm-hmm. But that, but his was totally selection. So, yeah, that one's that one's interesting when you put him. That's just player, player perspective on the umpires. But, I mean... On the coaches, too. I mean, keep in mind, that's what your kid's sitting back going. We're kind of telling them, like, do this, do this, and this, and you'll be successful. And, man, I wish sports were that easy. Mm-hmm. I wish life was that easy. Um, we're just and, and really, the perspective is we're just trying to give them the best opportunity to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but the message matters because from their perspective, they might take your messages again that they're wrong or that you're just – trying to be a drill sergeant and turn everybody into the same thing mindless automaton yeah Yeah. or can you find a way to communicate with them that they feel like you're really care about them and individualizing it to help them out for what they've got going on it might be an issue that a million kids have but are you taking the time that they feel from their perspective that you are genuinely trying to help them Mm -hmm. and that's different for each kid there's not like an easy solution you just do this and automatically all your kids think you love them and want to help them because most coaches do, but a lot of coaches can't relay it right. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, when there's a thousand other perspectives we could go into. I mean, we haven't even really hit the parent side. We haven't really hit the player to the parent side, which is so sticky. But, I mean, we can come mm-hmm. back and do it some other time. Um, but I think me and you spend way more time than a lot of that I know of trying to understand certain perspectives so that we can be able to get to the right thing for each kid. Yeah, I mean, we honestly have that conversation probably way more than anybody realizes when we're making our practice plans or we're coming into off-season hitting and we're making, okay, we've got these girls signed up. What does that look like for each girl? Where are they at in communication? Where are they at and what they need to learn fundamental-wise? Where can we challenge them? Where can we make them question their beliefs? Yeah, their perspective of how things have gone up to this point the last couple months has been a huge determinant of where we think they're ready to learn and do different things. Yep. And that's kind of where the start of the conversation is more than their skill level. Yep. Yep. I mean, and sometimes it's more we're evaluating. Do we think they're ready to change this? Do we Mm -hmm. think they're ready to go after this? Do we think they're ready to be able to take this perspective? Yeah. And And then you work work the, the idea of what you want to do backwards. Yeah. And then even the other hard part is, okay, this person's just now starting to get ready. Who are they willing to hear the message from? Yeah. Because some kids might resonate more from your style of communication. Some might more from mine. So who do we start with to start to build that trust and communication to then, you know, be able to switch off and share that role? Mm -hmm. Because it matters. Yeah. You need, do you need a gruff smart mouth or do you need the, the sweet and vinegar one, which yours is basically, yes, the, I'll be sweet and nice to you until you actually don't listen. Then I'm going to come on and be the, no, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. (laughs) Just because I threatened to make them run for not putting their stupid knee down last night in the outfield. Uh-huh. And, uh. other, and other things. 
that happens. You start, you're you're the I'm gonna be super awesome and sweet to you until you don't listen to me, and then I'm going to be mean to you. Me, I'm no matter what you bring to me, it's gonna be something gruff. <laughs> it's true. It's true, but it seems to work. It's super true. Oh my god, did you see me hit that? Yeah, it'd have been a lot better if you'd have driven it out of the park. <laughs> Always works great. If you would have used your legs. If you'd have used all your legs, you would have been able to hit it over, right? <laughs> Good hit, though. Okay. <laughs> nice. All right, with that, I think we definitely got to call this a yeah. wrap and come back at it later. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you for watching. Kate in Nevada, hope you've enjoyed this show and found it useful and empowering. If you have any questions or comments, please contact them at kinetics.com. That's K-N-E-T-I-C-X.com. They're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well. And please write a review of the show. Kate in Nevada appreciate hearing the feedback and they welcome your reviews and your word of mouth will help others learn how to feel better and be better.